0: Well, here we are. Um, episode. <laughs> I'm going to be a bit more excited.
1: Hello, regular dudes. <laughs> no, it's okay. This episode's going to be a little rough. We got off to a rough start already. Y'all, I just spilled like a whole glass of water all over my notes and the book for this week. So, yeah. good start. Yeah. Good start already. Yeah. But
0: that's Great okay. start. Great start. It's okay. It's also 11.45 on a Saturday and I'm still yawning. Yeah. So... A little low energy this morning, but that's okay.
1: That's I'm okay. happy to be here.
0: I'm very happy to be here, too. I always love talking to you, court
1: That's always the bright side.
0: It is. It really is. Um, this is episode 37. Oh, um,
1: wow.
0: Okay. Yeah, 37. Um, and we're going to be discussing um, Nancy Drew Girl Detective number three, False Notes.
1: Well, aren't you a regular Nancy Drew?
0: We sure hope so, and we hope you are too. Join us as we talk Nancy Drew, cover to cover and click to click. Welcome to regular Nancy Drew. Uh, This was published in 2004, March of 2004, um again this with is the one, title
1: so what again with the title it's so vague uh, yeah. and does not really descriptive of the actual mystery well i think without a trace
0: is almost a more descriptive of this book <laughs> yeah than it was of the first book right so i mean i get the notes note right is like play on like music note and also uh-huh. the note that gets left i get that but it's just yeah, it's not particularly compelling. Um much as the con- uh, much as the content of the book is not particularly <laughs> compelling. I did not super enjoy this one. I was bored reading it. And I also just
1: felt like there was no real mystery. Like most of the story was Nancy trying to like tell people that there is a mystery and her proof that there is a mystery to be solved and then she right. goes and solves the mystery in like the last chapter
0: well and also just like uh, the nancy doesn't really have proof that there's a mystery and the whole book she like spends like trying to find proof that there is in fact a mystery and it's right. like and and the way that she does, we'll have to talk about it because it's just ridiculous <laughs> the way that she does it. And I'm like, this is stupid. And you could have been, you could have saved so much more time and had such a more effective outcome and resolution, had you just used your brain for five seconds, Nancy. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. So three words, um, piano, or just music, like music, classical music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That
0: works. Um, disappearance. I don't even want to say kidnapping. Right. Classical music disappearance. And like, I mean, I guess just like hometown, like hometown vibes. You know what I mean? I don't know if we're going to have that in every, I wonder if this whole series, like all of it is in river Heights because so far it has been, which I love. Honestly, Mm. I think it's great. Um, but it doesn't it feels like there's some aspect that is missing right you know what i mean and i think part of that is the the adventure aspect because if nancy is just slumming around her hometown it's not super adventurous you know what i mean absolutely not yeah yeah so yeah so so um classical music disappearance hometown I think, is where I land. Perfect. Okay. So, chapter one, we start off. Nancy is shopping for a birthday present for her father's birthday. Carson's birthday is coming up, but she's really struggling, trying to find something. Um, while she's out shopping, she gets gestured into Psychic's Parlor, which is a store owned by her friend, Lucia Consalvo. Um, and they're talking about Nancy asking her for like her advice and her opinion on what should she should get Carson for his birthday, um, but then suddenly Lucia like interrupts their conversation and says like in that like, psychic way something mm-hmm. is very wrong. Um, but so they look out the window and they see that there is a couple on the sidewalk who are seemingly having some kind of disagreement about going into the police station.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So interesting. Now we know why something might be very wrong. Maybe there's something serious going on that might make them want to go into the police station. But So the woman seems to be trying to stop the man from going into the police station. Nancy does notice and she thinks that the woman looks kind of familiar to her, but she can't really place her. And then it ends up that uh, the man starts walking to the police station, but the woman successfully stops him. And then they get into a blue sedan and drive away.
1: Mm -hmm. so after they drive away we have a little uh guest appearance by someone from the last episode yeah harold safer the return of harold safer (laughs) our uh broadway musical sunset and cheese loving (laughs) neighbor who um i think his cheese shop is like right next door or something so he pops in to say hello nancy ends up inviting both him and lucia to carson's birthday party and she's like Okay, now I'm going to continue on with my shopping trip, but she's really just kind of distracted by what she just saw with the the couple going to the police station or trying to go into the police station to really focus on the shopping. She does run into Bess and George on the street, and Nancy starts telling them what she just saw, um, and she realizes that, oh, I I do recognize that woman from somewhere. Her name is Heather Simmons, and she's actually uh, running for River Heights mayor right now. Uh, Nancy Mm. explains that she doesn't know her personally, but Ned, who is actually working for his dad's newspaper. um, I know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to talk about that. (laughs) Um, The River Heights Bugle, Ned has been working there, and he is covering the race, obviously writing articles over the summer about this mayoral election. Um, He's also taken a class. Oh, yeah, because the husband's a professor, right? So Ned has also taken a class from the professor husband. Um, Apparently, the current River Heights mayor is retiring, so now there's this race between Heather Simmons and someone else named Morris Granger, who is this, like, company owner. He's super rich, like corporate type guy who nobody in town really likes that much um george guesses that he's really only running for the mayoral position because he wants to take over this company called rackham industries which is the biggest employer in river heights apparently but um, he's also done a lot of things for the community he's built a parks with his money and ice skating rink um, and he's also invested in the children's hospital recently after Nancy goes out for her shopping trip that day, she doesn't end up finding anything for Carson. So she goes home, um, and she's having dinner with Carson and Hannah, and she starts telling them, oh, you know, something weird happened today. You know, I saw the Simmonses outside the police station um, when I was in Lucia's shop, and it was just, they were acting really weird. Um, And, you know, normally this would just be normal dinner conversation that Nancy's telling her story to, to Carson and Hannah that she's you know got something mysterious that she stumbled onto and carson of course would normally like give her advice in this situation or you know be supportive or something no he like starts acting really strange like he almost chokes on his food when he's taking a bite his face just like goes sheet white he's like absolutely shocked to hear what nancy is telling him very weird what's going on with carson
0: Very weird. So, like, does this mean that maybe the Simmonses are clients of Carson? Mm -hmm. That's what Nancy surmises. And so she thinks that, like, okay, well, he's obviously, you know, has stuff that he can't say to me if that's the case. So I'm just not going to press him about it. I'll just drop it, leave it alone and not involve him in this so that he can, you know, maintain his ethics in this situation. (laughs) Just very respectful of Nancy, I think. She also thinks that maybe them being clients of Carson potentially explains their argument. And so she kind of decides that, like, okay, so they're having some kind of legal thing. This is probably none of my business. So I'm just going to change the subject. And so she brings up their daughter, Leslie, because she thinks this is a safe topic, like, you know, because she heard that she is applying to uh, a scholarship for conservatory. Um, because it's some scholarship they're awarding for musically talented high school students and she'd heard that so she was like this is related i'll bring this up as a way to segue away from them but at this carson even gets gets even more kind of freaked out and shocked looking yeah um so nancy is like okay what the heck is going on with the simmons family um but then she just completely changes the subject right okay just Mm -hmm. forget it forget everything Um, later, Nancy goes to visit George and Bess at George's house, and she tells them about her conversation with Carson at dinner and his weird reaction, and she asks George to look up the Simmonses on, uh, the computer. They find out a couple things, that Heather hasn't yet turned in her application to run for mayor, even though it's due somewhat soon, um, also that their daughter Leslie hasn't posted on a forum that she normally does for a couple
1: days, this felt kind of Gossip Girl, honestly. Apparently the school has this message board that everyone <laughs> yeah. posts on all the time, and Leslie's very, very active, But so it's supposed to be suspicious that she hasn't posted in a while, but
0: goodness, 2004
1: yeah. was a time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so Nancy kind of gets in her head that Leslie is missing that she must be missing must be kidnapped in fact because of the way carson reacted and because she hasn't posted on a message board in a few days and her parents wanted to go to the police station this is the conclusion she has come to obviously so what they do is they decide to drive over to the simmons home and once there nancy gets out of the car knocks on the door But she doesn't want them to think that Carson told her anything about what's going on because that would potentially jeopardize their and Carson's like working relationship or whatever. She doesn't want to do that. So she pretends that she's going around to advertise the animal shelters adopt a thon. Um, which there actually is going to be an adopt-a-thon because, and she also regularly volunteers for the animal shelter, but she's actually using that opportunity to surreptitiously look around the house for clues while she's there. <laughs> instead of just being like, Hey, is your daughter missing? She'd been kidnapped. So she talks to them a little bit. Um, and then she goes back outside, jumps back in the car and then tells Bess and George that she's seen a clue that tells her for sure That
1: Leslie has been kidnapped. Corey, what was that clue? Dust. There's (laughs) dust in the house. So evidently there's this big like piano recital coming up later this week and Leslie, or there's the scholarship that Leslie's trying to get, right? And they have the audition for that scholarship later in the week. But before that, there's also this recital that's supposed to go on. So there's a lot of practicing that should be going on for Leslie if she's planning to participate in these, which as far as we know she is so the fact that nancy sees dust all over the piano keys in their house makes her think oh obviously she's been kidnapped otherwise she would be at that piano right now or at least there wouldn't be dust on it which i'll just say we were talking about this a minute ago but there's so much dust on there after she's been gone for two days supposedly maximum two days possibly There's so much dust that Nancy can see it from across the room, but whatever, whatever. Okay. All right. Well,
0: and Bess and George even, they try to like talk her down from this. They're like, maybe she went to go visit her grandparents. Like, you know, maybe she's out with friends. Maybe she's eating dinner. Like there's, yeah. maybe she's just been busy. So she hasn't posted on that forum in a while. There are 12,000 different possibilities that it actually could be much less serious possibilities
1: than she's been kidnapped nancy's like no none of those are valid (laughs) cheese louise uh so nancy she tries to justify this a little bit further and she says well heather simmons hasn't submitted that application for the the mayoral election just yet um obviously someone is doing this to distract her so that she doesn't have time to fill out her application (laughs) whatever George, being the sensible one, for once, she decides to call up the music camp that that Leslie has been attending and ask them about her. And they say that, nope, she didn't show up to camp today. Um, Actually, this is the first time we've had any issues with her not showing up. It's very unlike her. Okay, all right, a little bit more suspicious now. Um, So Mm -hmm. they head back to George's house, and George, being the computer-savvy girl that she is, um, is the one to do the Googling that happens next (laughs) Uh, nancy decides that they need to point their investigation toward this morris granger guy the other guy that's running for mayor because obviously if there's someone interested in getting heather to not run for mayor it must be her opponent Which, right
0: we have no reason to think that that is the motive for this crime that we don't even know has happened right but
1: right you know whatever anyway but it's sorry. obviously Jeez. him and nancy considers <laughs> no other suspects all right, so uh, basically George turns out that he has a lot of property that he owns around the U.S., but they don't really find anything suspicious or anything that seems, like, unscrupulous of him or whatever. So George does some, quote-unquote, hacking, um, and Nancy's like, I wouldn't normally condone this kind of behavior, but, you know, it's for a good cause. I thought this was so interesting. It's very funny. She's like, <laughs> George can find anything on the internet. I could never. George is Googling things. George is looking (laughs) it up using, maybe not Google because it's 2004, but she's on Ask Jeeves or something. She's using a search (laughs) engine, Nancy. It's not that hard. Um, so Nancy decides that they're gonna go over to Morris's place and snoop around there. Um, when they get there, they notice that there are cleaners just starting to arrive, and Nancy's like, oh, obviously that means that he's not in right now. So um, Bess and George, y'all be on the lookout and I'm gonna sneak in while the cleaners are like upstairs or whatever, and they won't notice me, and then I'll be able to be in his house, right? Um, But unfortunately she's like in the process of snooping and she hears him return home and he starts talking to the cleaners and you know, he's like, Oh, let me go check on this. And I got to go look for the dog and like check on him. And Nancy's like, Oh no, he's obviously going to come in here um, and see me. So she has to like, it's a whole thing. She has to sneak around the house and like wait until he's like turned around a corner and open a door. And he's like, what was that door sound? And then the dog starts yeah. barking like crazy. And Nancy ends up in the basement. And then the dog keeps going crazy. And he's like, okay, doggy, I'm coming. Let's see what you're barking about. Oh, maybe you're just hungry and that's why you're barking. And not that there's a person here. Uh, but eventually, he does come down into the basement where Nancy is hiding with no way to get out. There is like a, a sliding glass door, right? in Mm -hmm. the basement but it's padlocked from the outside so Nancy can't use that as her exit (laughs) what the heck yeah
0: sketchy okay. um yeah but luckily just as he is coming downstairs he hears the telephones so before he gets all the way downstairs he goes back up to answer the telephone so this gives nancy time to escape with help from Bess and george who have noticed that nancy is trapped in the basement um and Bess comes and picks the lock on the outside of the basement door
1: shining moment way for to go Bess. Bess. <laughs> yes
0: picking locks new skill for Bess. um so they're able to escape Later at home, Nancy decides to call Ned and asks him to set up an appointment with Rackham Industries CEO for an interview because she thinks, based on what George has said, that um, Morris Granger is trying to buy Rackham Industries and she thinks, I guess, that she can get some kind of information out of them about this deal and then that would help. Point to his desperation to become mayor, and then that would point to his motive for kidnapping Leslie. Oh boy! So, Ned, of course, being the dutiful manservant that he is, does that, um, and then the next day they head over there. So, they go upstairs, but they have to wait a few minutes for a secretary to come back. Um, she eventually does and greets them, but then she mutters something under her breath about an irresponsible brat of an intern. But okay, whatever. Um, then they're greeted by the CEO. He, of course, recognizes Nancy because Nancy's in River Heights, so he knows he knows who she is. Yeah. Um, but she plays it off as like, Ned's no, just showing me the ropes of, you know, reporting. I'm considering going into reporting, so I just want to see what it's all about or whatever. He, I guess, buys that. Um, and they just have an interview, and it's not super eventful. There doesn't seem to be any current connection between Rackham Industries and Morris Granger that he's letting on but also I'm sorry (laughs) this just is baffling to me because it's like you think you're gonna go into this person's office interview them and they're just gonna tell you about their business deals like that are unsettled no they're not right (laughs) no one no one in no company is ever gonna do that right (laughs) anyway um but just as they're leaving Nancy just asks the CEO on like uh an offhand like just out of curiosity if he's familiar with Leslie Simmons and he says, "Oh, actually, yeah. In fact, my company is the one that's sponsoring the scholarship to the music conservatory." Well, that's an interesting connection. Yeah. But then they step out into the hall, and they, they see the secretary scolding this new intern, which turns out to be none other than Deirdre Shannon. Of course. We're the brat of an intern. Scene. We do. We do. Oh. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah. But but we'll, we'll go into it. We'll go into we'll, it. We'll get there.
1: Nancy does not behave in an acceptable no. way but we will get there no yeah basically deirdre is shocked to see nancy of course nancy is shocked to see deirdre um she's kind of like what are you doing here and deirdre like almost seems embarrassed she's like oh yeah i've got this internship this summer and uh you know i didn't expect to see you here ned and uh, well one, she's embarrassed because Nancy thinks, "Oh, oh right. she wouldn't be wanted. She wouldn't want to be seen working." But then, obviously, she's being scolded by her boss, which is embarrassing to have mm-hmm. the boy you right. have a crush on see that, even though he's not interested in her. But whatever. Um, so it's this whole thing, and they do some back and forth. But then, ultimately, Nancy and Ned leave. Um, later, Nancy, Ned, Bess, and George all plan to attend the recital that Leslie was supposed to be performing at. Um so this is is it the day before or like two days before the the audition or whatever for the scholarship? Yeah, I think I think it's two days. I think it's two days. Or maybe before, that sounds right. Um so they go to this performance and they're like, "Okay, you know, if Leslie shows up, this is really important to her. So if she's here, false alarm, everything is all good, right? Obviously, we just made made this into nothing or made this into too much when it was actually nothing. Uh, but if, of course, if she doesn't show up, then then that's really a really bad sign, because, of course, she wanted to be at those performance really badly. Uh, but then George's parents, who are also attending this this performance, they come up to them and they are like, yeah, we just heard that Leslie's not going to be performing tonight. We heard through the grapevine that Leslie's music teacher confirmed that she's not going to be here. So. Nancy kind of splits away from the group and she's casually walking through the audience and she strikes up a conversation with this woman or actually she's like going up to the stage to, to talk to the teacher. But then she realizes she's standing next to this woman who is also in the know about Leslie being gone. And she's like, oh no, it's, it's no big deal. Like she's just at this retreat doing extra practice for this audition that she has coming up in two days from now. Um, she introduces herself as Marcia Sharon, who is the mother of one of Leslie's friends. So her daughter, whose name is Diane, um, is also at that retreat. She's also going to this music camp, um, and her daughter plays the cello. Um, But then Nancy's talking to George. She realizes that whenever they were looking at the list of everyone who's auditioning for the conservatory scholarship, um, she realizes that that name, Diane Sharon, was on that audition list. So, you know, is there like a rivalry here? Are they, you know, Mm -hmm. is there something more going on here? Um, but Nancy also does get a chance to talk to Leslie's music teacher. And she says that actually, no, she didn't know that Leslie wasn't going to be at the performance tonight, that now she's kind of left in the lurch because um, she has to like find somebody to fill that spot. And then her father just called very recently and said, actually, she's going to be on away on this retreat. She's not going to be at the audition. Um, and the music teacher was like, oh, no, she has to be at this performance. Like, why don't you let her come? And the dad just got, like, kind of hostile and was like, mind your own business and then left it at that. And she didn't get any other information about it. Hmm. So it is getting Interesting. a little, yeah, a little, little getting bit suspicious little here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So the next day, Nancy decides that she should go ahead and tail Morris Granger because obviously Leslie is missing and obviously Morris Granger has something to do with it. So we don't have any other leads. We're just going to have to follow him and hope that he leads us to Leslie. So she convinces Bess and George to join her in doing this, of course. And after staking out his business, they follow him to this hospital construction site that he is, I guess he's building this hospital. Um... They try to follow him through this construction site, but obviously this proves pretty challenging and they lose him. (laughs) And then just as they're like debating on what to do next, he actually sees them like hiding and chatting um, and asks them like, what are you doing here? This is a closed construction site. (laughs) What the hell? Nancy kind of rather boldly declares that they were actually following him here. Um, And she explains even that, like, we suspect you of kidnapping Leslie. Um, It's like, wow. Ballsy move, Nancy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He is obviously shocked by this accusation, but he's actually mostly upset that Leslie is missing. Um, He's not really concerned about the accusation against him. He's worried about this girl who's missing. Um, He says Leslie's a wonderful, wonderful girl. And then he basically, like, drags nancy bess and george over to the Simmons house to get to the bottom of this (laughs) thank god right someone has some sense um so once we get there the simmons finally explain um that they don't actually know that leslie is missing she left a scrawled note that just said i'll be back Um, And they assumed that it meant that she would be back later that evening, but the longer she's been gone, the more worried they've gotten, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, And Heather didn't want to go to the police originally, um, and now she's worried that, like, it's too late at this point, Mm -hmm. which we're going to have to talk about this later, because Mm -hmm. this is baffling to me. Um, Morris is, like, super um, concerned about this, and he offers, like, a $10,000 reward to, he says, you know, just let me know and I'm, you know, willing to put that forward for whoever can find Leslie. Wow. Okay. So, Nancy, Bess, and George at this point go ahead and start to head back home but just as they are Nancy suddenly exclaims that she's got it, she's figured it out. The cello.
1: What? Mm. Cello? Interesting. (laughs) Nancy finally starts to, like, understand the pieces of this and put things together and say, huh, maybe this isn't about the mayoral race after all. Right. Maybe I jumped the gun a little <laughs> bit trying to assume that that must be what it was. No, this is actually about music. So she starts to think about Diane Sharon, that cello player, and thinks, huh, you know, maybe she's got a motive to get mm-hmm. Leslie out of this competition because she's also vying for that conservatory scholarship, and she was also missing from that recital, so what's going on here right so they drive over to Diane's house but it's late at this point and neither she nor her parents are home um there's actually a babysitter at home with Diane's little brother who um she starts talking to the babysitter and then the little brother is like in the house also yelling at Nancy through the door <laughs> Um, And he's kind of upset, and he's just tired, and he's like, oh, I'm so mad because Diane got to go play at the cabin at the lake, um, Lake Firefly, he says, and I had to stay here with the babysitter, so this stinks, and I'm in a bad mood, right? Um, And Nancy's like, oh, well, obviously we have to go to this lake house on Lake Firefly, because obviously that's the key to everything, right? But Mm -hmm. Lake Firefly is, what, five hours away? Four hours away? And it's already 11 p.m., but... This audition that Leslie is supposed to be at is at, like, 8 a.m., so they need to go tonight if they have any hope of finding her. Yeah, so obviously Nancy convinces Bess and George to go along with her (laughs) on this ride, even though they obviously don't want to, and they're, like, falling asleep as it is. They were like, all right, Nancy, we'll go to the Sharon's house, and then we're going right to sleep, and Nancy's like, change of plans.
0: (laughs) We should have made that one of the three words. It should have been um, classical music Disappearances and Nancy convincing Bess and George to do things <laughs>
1: <laughs> that are bad ideas, but yeah, <laughs> but she does convince them. Um, and she also gets George to bring along her handheld computer, um, okay. <laughs> which she will use to do research about both Firefly Lake, which do, she has to like figure out where their cabin is on the lake, um, and then also research the Sharons as well. Sorry, what were you going to say? What the fuck? It's is a, a handheld, handheld computer. computer?
0: Is it a la- It's a laptop, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What was handheld computer something we called them in two thousand and four? We didn't call them laptops. I don't. I. I don't know. <laughs> I was so baffled by this.
1: Sorry. Anyway, continue. <laughs> no, I think they're just trying to make George sound like more. Oh, like impressive than she is technologically, you know, like, oh, she's got so many gadgets. She's got this handheld computer that nobody else really has because it's not a thing yet. But George has one. Don't worry. She's also got a shrink ray in her pocket, you know, things like that, that, yeah, she just oh, oh wow. maybe she built it herself kind of thing. And that's how she has it. Maybe it really is like more like a cell phone today.
0: So it might be a PDA. Oh, so-
1: yeah, Maybe yeah i i just googled it because i was like
0: this has to be something and like today like when i google that it gives me like a lot of tablet stuff but it says like today's handheld computers which are also called pdas
1: mm, so okay. it's you can... probably
0: kind of a pda because it's 2004 right. that would track
1: right right yeah yeah anyway right sorry I mean, 2004, cell phones were still flip phones back then. You might have gotten internet on them, but it was going to be very expensive for that data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But she uses it to do her search engine things again, to find things that Nancy thinks no one could ever find, but George has this special skill for Googling things, whatever. Um, Anyway, she learns that the Sharons are actually in pretty bad debt, and so that could explain why... uh, almost called her Leslie. Why, what's her name? Diane needs the scholarship because otherwise how is she going to pay for this very expensive music school? Um, But Bess and George do end up falling asleep on the drive and Nancy starts trying to do the math in her head and she figures as long as they don't have any issues on their drive, they have just enough time to get to Firefly Lake, find the cabin, get Leslie, convince her to come with them and then get her back before the time for the audition, right? Um, But Nancy, in this series, has this really bad habit, this really awful trope, y'all, that she is not a bad driver because, of course, she's still a very safe driver. She still adheres to the speed limit and uses her seatbelt and all that, but she gets so wrapped up in her mysteries that she forgets to get gas. She forgets to check her tire pressure and all that. You know, she just ignores this kind of stuff and then it results in problems. Well, what happens? The car starts to sputter and she runs out of gas. Oh, my God. <laughs> At, like, one in the morning on the side of the highway.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it takes an hour and a half, but eventually they're able to call a nearby truck stop and convince someone to bring them a can of gas. Wow. <laughs> wow um so now they're tied on time now everything's fine now they're back on the road they have gas but obviously the pressure is now on to get there on time and get leslie back on time george from her searching also can't find any addresses around lake firefly um apparently i don't know it's maybe it's like a new lake community or something or it's just so rural that there aren't addresses i don't really get it whatever they made such a big deal out of
1: this, and it never ended yeah. up being anything. Well, I mean, it kind of did, but not. I mean, a little yeah. bit, but like yeah. they ended up seeing because it's just have mailboxes anyway. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah, it's hey, not hey. that important. Um, so once
0: they get there, they spend like an hour looking at all the cabins and mailboxes, just trying to determine where the Sharons live. But, like, they have no luck. Obviously, there aren't, like, names on these mailboxes. Or maybe there are, and they're just, like, trying to read them and squint them as they go by. I don't know. But so they have no luck. They're exhausted. And, like, at this point, there is seemingly no way they can get Leslie back in time for her audition. So Nancy decides to get out for a minute, stretch her legs, try to regroup a little bit. But as soon as she does, she hears piano playing. Hmm. Oh. So they're like... Nancy calls Bess and George out and she's like, I hear the piano. And so they all rush over to the door of this house where this is coming from. They knock on it and then they're greeted by Leslie. Yay! Uh, we found <laughs> Leslie, everybody. Leslie is confused as who we, to who we are. <laughs> um, but we explain. Um, she says that she was actually expecting the Sharons to come pick her up over an hour ago and then drive her back into town for her audition. Oh, okay. So now we kind of realize what's happened. And Leslie explains further that the Sharons had invited her to come up here to their, like, cabin with Diane under the guise of having, like, some peace and quiet to practice for their upcoming auditions. Um, They actually had to pick up Diane yesterday for a quote-unquote dentist appointment um, and then promised to be back up for Leslie
1: early this morning. And early they mean like 3 a.m.? Like, yeah. Why, yeah. why not just go back with them last night instead of saying, I'll be back for you at 3 a.m. so that we can make your 8 a.m. audition? This is Well, crazy. obviously,
0: Corey, this is a trick. They have done this so that she will not be able to get to her audition and that oh, of their daughter will be able to. Right. Right. So they've stranded her here with no phone and no ability to get back in time. Lovely, lovely people, sounds like. Mm-hmm. We also learned that Leslie never left that note for her parents. Like, she thought that the Sharons had told her parents where she was, um, but they had not. And I guess forged this note and left it for her parents to find. Sketch AF. Mm -hmm. Um, So Nancy is like, okay, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to get to River Heights on time, even though at this point... There's no way. They're an hour behind schedule. Nancy, of course, is not going to speed. She wouldn't break the law. Um, So (laughs) she just thinks she's just basically saying this, like, to try to keep everybody motivated, right? And get
1: back in time. Yeah. Well, they don't get back in time. Um, Mm -hmm. The audition was at 8.00 or 8.30 or something, but they don't get back until, like, 10 o'clock. Um, they go straight to the conservatory auditions where they've already called the Simmonses and told them, you know, like, meet us there. The parents have already, like, been there for a little while trying to convince the judges to wait for her, but no luck. Um They get there and they're told too late to audition, sorry, you've lost your chance. So they go in anyway, and they learn that the scholarship actually went to some flautists from West Heights, Um so at least the sharons didn't win in the end after all this plotting (laughs) um but she's louise all of it's for nothing um nancy also does realize that hey it's carson's birthday and i still haven't gotten him anything for his present um and also there's a party tonight that she's hosting and has done nothing (laughs) to plan for it um she's like oh well i need to get like caught up in my sleep anyway so i'll just have to like figure something out later um she's just about to fall asleep and she has an idea and she makes a few phone calls and then she sleeps for the the rest of the day all right well (laughs) um she does also invite the sevens to come to to carson's party later she's basically invited the whole town chief mcginnis has promised to come Mm -hmm. later at the party hannah has gone all out with making the food so nancy doesn't end up actually needing to do anything for it (laughs) um and everyone has now shown up to the party and nancy's kind of she's greeting people but they also really just want to hear about the mystery so she's explaining everything that's happened over the past few days and carson's hearing about a lot of this for the first time as well um morris granger shows up and he's very excited to to know that leslie's been found um and actually he's so pleased that he says oh you know at the beginning of this, I did say that I would give a reward to anyone who was able to find Leslie. Um, so, Nancy, I'm giving you ten grand. Con- <laughs> Congratulations. And Nancy's like, oh, yeah, I kind of forgot that you were so, you know, that you'd promised this reward. Um, and so she's like, okay, Bess and George, y'all technically... Earn this as well because y'all help me with everything but let's go have a little conversation so the three of them they go talk for a second and they come back and they decide no we don't want the money we want you to give the 10 grand to Leslie to help her pay for the cost of the conservatory um, this yeah. makes everyone sob and they're so excited and happy for <laughs> Leslie who's like oh no I couldn't okay if you insist I'll accept <laughs> wonderful um, so hurrah it's so exciting um, and then Nancy announces one last thing. I do have a, a present for my dear father. And she leads mm-hmm. everyone into the living room where she has set up, with the help of Morris Granger, a massive piano with a bunch of chairs like set around it um, for a little performance that Leslie is going to give. And Nancy's gift is, is this performance. So... Carson takes the seat of honor right in front and they have the little piano recital with Leslie playing for everyone um, so this is the phone call that she made earlier to arrange for Leslie to, to perform for Carson everyone cheers and that is the end of the story <laughs> well uh,
0: what an interesting one eh Corey yeah sure <laughs> no 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 <laughs> there was no mystery there's no mystery the mystery nothing is, is there a mystery i just okay here's my big issue my big issue with this book is that nancy thinks a girl is kidnapped mm-hmm. and she effectively does nothing right. she thinks oh i know it's it i can't talk about this with my father Because that would jeopardize his ethics in this situation where a girl is missing. Right. Um, I'm not going to go talk to her parents because I don't want them to think that my father has compromised his ethics in telling me something about this case. Right. She's not worried about the girl missing at all. No, she's just confident in her ability to find her. Like,
1: which by the way, she I mean, she does find her, but she fails at doing it in time. Yeah, so confident about it that she doesn't even consider any other suspects than the one that she decides is obvious. I'm just like,
0: this girl could be in danger. She could be in danger. Mm -hmm. She could be trapped somewhere. Like, she may not even be kidnapped. Like, there are so many possibilities. And she believes this wholeheartedly. And yet, she doesn't decide that it warrants any kind of serious action on her part. Not talking to her parents, not talking to Leslie's parents, not going to the authorities. Right. Like, how irresponsible is that? It also results in, like, this incredibly convoluted mystery where, I mean, not convoluted, just, like, nothing mystery where just, like, we don't do anything about the real problem, we just run around and go places and talk to people who don't tell us anything until we finally get to the Simmons who explain, and then immediately after they do, we realize what's going
1: on. Right. So that's what needed to have happened.
0: Ready? Right. <laughs> if you had just done that day one or gone out in the road and be like, when they're arguing in front of the police station, be like, Are you okay? Is there something I can help you with? Right. We could have we could have been resolved that afternoon.
1: Like Well, and Nancy even like kind of makes this point. She's like, you know, maybe something did happen to her and they don't want to go to the authorities because the kidnappers have left like a ransom note that instructs them not to seek help or they'll harm Leslie Mm -hmm. or something. Nothing like that. So why the hesitation with going to the police if your daughter leaves a note saying I'll be back later and you expect her home for dinner and then she's not why not go to the police? Well, that's the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's
0: the other big issue in this book is these parents win the award for worst parents (laughs) of the fucking century. Right. Because who in their right mind, your teenage daughter, is missing? Like, she left a vague note for you. You haven't seen her in days, by the way. Mm -hmm. Not just hours. It's literally been, like, a week. She's, like, been missing for, like, a week. And she has important things that she's supposed to be at. And you don't go to the police and you're covering for, like, you're covering for her disappearance to other people. Right. That's suspicious AF. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was the police and I came into this situation and I realized that your daughter has been gone for days and you've told people that she was actually just out, you know, doing stuff or whatever, I would suspect you were involved in her disappearance. Right. Right. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, these people seem Awful. Awful. Yeah. Just like, no, I can I cannot imagine being a parent and your child is missing for days and you decide you shouldn't go to the police because you don't, because why? Because you don't have enough evidence that she's missing. She's got, she's been missing. Right. (laughs) Also, so there's that stupid, first of all, the conception about having to wait 48 hours for someone to be missing is is incorrect is right. false do not wait 48 hours to report someone missing if you believe that that they are gone speak especially to if you think they could be the authorities danger. right but especially when it's a child you don't freaking wait right right you don't wait you go immediately the more the faster that you can go and notify the authorities the faster response the better chance you'll have of them being found
1: what is the worst case scenario there they find her like at a uh, friend's house and she was planning to be home by dinner Great. That's a great scenario. If that's the worst thing that could happen.
0: Yeah. Or they say, sorry, we don't have enough evidence to go on. We can't look or we can't find her.
1: Right. But at least you've done your job. So it's not looking bad on you that you did nothing. And then they're not going to suspect you when they do have enough evidence to go (laughs) look around. Yeah.
0: And then if they won't investigate, then you talk to the lawyer that you talked to previously and have him involve his private investigator daughter. Like, that's. Right. (laughs) I just. I just, it would have, it, this mystery would have been so much more effective if at the very beginning, her parents had notified Carson, and then the police didn't want to get involved because we already know that Chief McGinnis is kind of ineffective, right, in this series, right? So they say, ah, she left a note, she's just, she'll be back, whatever, right, call us in a few days or whatever. They're overly concerned because they should be. Carson involves Nancy Nancy investigates and then we could have Nancy investigate Morris Granger and we can have her investigate other people or whatever and then eventually find her you know what I mean like why didn't we do it that way why didn't (laughs) we do it that way why do we have to make Nancy seem ridiculous and like not serious and overly concerned about like her like her own situation you know what I mean like she was worried about her success and people believing her she wasn't worried about the girl who's missing i just (gasps) oh
1: yeah (laughs) sorry no she just wanted to prove her own point she was just looking for anything that might indicate right nancy was right her intuition exactly everything exactly
0: awful awful awful
1: (sighs) Such a um, bizarre okay. premise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very bizarre.
0: I mean, I get I understand. I, I appreciate where it comes from, right? You wanna yeah. have a mystery where people don't believe Nancy Drew. But That's fine. That's fine. That was not what this was. No. Also. Like the best and George didn't necessarily believe her but they went on and supported her she didn't tell anybody
1: else they didn't she didn't no tell one anybody else her, nothing no. it was just proving to no. Bess and george who are gonna be supportive of her yeah. either way <laughs> yeah
0: i was like it's just absolutely ineffective on all counts ineffective on the premise ineffective in the plot like it's yeah. just none of it none of it worked none of it worked no <laughs> yeah oh anyway Let's talk about Deirdre. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> okay, thank goodness. <laughs> Let me find the page. Oh wait, no. Okay. Oh, I did have one. I did have a note that I actually kind of like Ned and Nancy's relationship in this series so far.
1: I mean, the representation
0: say, I've seen is this book Ned propaganda, am. <laughs> Because, you know, she asked Ned to make that call or whatever to set up that interview,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he's like, "Yeah, I did. I called. You know, we should be right on time when we go," and like he's just like absolutely like does everything she asks and is like supportive and doesn't make any like side comments mm-hmm. or anything like that. He's just there. He's just Happy ready to go for along it. with it. Yeah. Yes, I was like, um. I'm catching am I catching feelings
1: what is this this is
0: such a foreign feeling (laughs) I like Ned
1: (laughs) this book is Um, trying to make me like Ned I'm uncomfortable
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyway okay we were going to talk about Deirdre 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 okay yeah so it's in chapter six so (sighs) Nancy calls Deirdre the richest, snobbiest girl in town. They both say, what are you doing here to each other at the same time? Um, she's, Deirdre scowls at Nancy. Then she noticed Ned, and her expression played through an interesting range of emotions from surprise to delight to embarrassment. Um, I hid a smile. Deirdre had always taken great pride in her family's wealth, never hesitating to show off her expensive car or the latest fashions. Nothing wrong with that. It had to be mortifying for her to be caught working like a regular person. Especially by someone she couldn't stand, which would be me. Working like a regular person. Excuse me? What the
1: fuck, Nancy? So Deirdre's trying to better herself by getting work experience?
0: It must be so embarrassing for you to have to
1: work. What? (laughs) What? Nancy ridicules this girl and, like, relishes her embarrassment in this scene. It's... Embarrassment that Nancy causes her. Yeah. I... It's so gross.
0: <laughs> but not just that, like, she, she herself says, oh, you must be so embarrassed, mm-hmm. not because your boss was yelling at you, but because you're working, because you have to work caught
1: doing a job oh
0: my god so i understand that it's trying we're trying to set it up that like deirdre would be embarrassed because deirdre is always so because she just says that deirdre is like taking great pride in her family's wealth and showing Mm -hmm. off her stuff or whatever so deirdre must be embarrassed that deirdre has to work for money um we also, we don't even know that she is, it's an internship. It could be unpaid, but right, <laughs> whatever. But it's the fact that Nancy says this. Nancy says, oh, that must be why she's embarrassed. She mm-hmm. must be embarrassed because she's working, which means Nancy thinks that working is embarrassing. Right.
1: <laughs> if you're ah, doing it for, ah. like, actual reasons and not just your cover story for when you're trying to solve your mystery...
0: And when somebody offers you a reward, you can't possibly take it unless it's in the form of jewelry. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> what Nancy. the classist bitch. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the also, shame and horror associated with doing your <laughs> job. Apparently, not well because her boss is chewing her out. And so that's, I yeah, can see well, being embarrassed because your boss is right. chewing you out and then people you know come in. Like, yeah. that's an awkward situation. That is embarrassing. Fair enough. Yeah. But Nancy reads into it as, oh my gosh, she's been caught <laughs> with employment, doing what the <laughs> plebeians do.
0: <laughs> also, so there's that, which is awful and terrible. And, nancy is absolutely showing her colors here but then at the very end of the book um morris granger talks they're talking to morris granger at the party and he is like Saying, "Oh, I can help you," or I, I know, I know what I'll do, because because um, Heather still realized that she just had a, like a very <gasps> oh, small amount of time this. to fill out her her application for mayor, and so she realized, "Oh, I gotta work really hard to do that." Morris Granger says, "Hey, I know, I'll send you my new intern to help you. That way, you know, you can get this in on time because he wants it to be a fair fight. It's this whole thing, whatever." Yeah. And then he tells them that the CEO of Rackham Industries sent him his intern to work for Morris Granger, mm-hmm. and and he, you know, as just like a, I guess I, I don't know, whatever. But then Nancy and George, and Beth bust out laughing, yeah, because it's so hilarious that because it's intern. just because it's Deirdre. Yeah. They literally they go into a fit of hysterics just thinking about Deirdre as an intern to Morris, and poor Morris Granger now having to deal deal with
1: Deirdre Shannon. Mm-hmm. I'm and sorry, but these bitches. It's so funny that Deirdre would be the one to help fill out a form. That's way that over her head. The snootiest,
0: the snottiest response, like Mean Girl response I have ever seen. Nancy's 100% bust the mean out girl laughing. in
1: the situation. They try to make it Such seem like Deirdre's mean the mean
0: girl, but no. No. Nancy's the no. one.
1: <sighs>
0: so I do think, okay, I think a lot of this has to do, obviously, with our first-person perspective. I think that's where this is causing this issue. I mean, obviously, it's telling, and I, I, I still do like to have the first-person issue, first-person perspective, because then... It means we don't have any ambiguity to hide behind here. You know what I mean? We get Nancy's perspective unfiltered and unfettered, which I like. But... If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have this problem. Because I think what they're trying to do, right, as an author, I think they are trying to set up this catty, mean girl relationship between the two of them, right? We want to see it as both Deirdre and Nancy acting the same way towards each other because they hate each other because they're rivals, right? But the problem is that because it's from Nancy's perspective... We don't get Deirdre's perspective. Sure. We just get Nancy shit-talking Deirdre <laughs> all the time in really rude and awful ways. So it doesn't look like Deirdre's the bad guy. Looks like Nancy is. Right. Because we don't get to hear what Deirdre's saying. Maybe Deirdre's saying the same crap about Nancy in the same way or even worse ways, but we we can't know that. Right.
1: right. And so just so, the light looks pretty bad. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yikes. This is not the role model that we were promised in 1930. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. No bananas. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, indeed. Poor Deirdre, having to sit at a desk. What demeaning action. <laughs> so it's
0: not even so much that like I'm a Deirdre stan at this point. Is I'm just like a Deirdre defender. <laughs> like, lay off. Like, seriously.
1: Quit! Knock it off, you rude bitches! Like I can't. I just played Deadly yeah. Device last weekend, and so I'm kind yeah. of in that Deirdre stand mindset right now because it's mm-hmm. such a, it's such a great game in the in the first place. But then you add Deirdre on top of it, who starts to collaborate a little bit with Nancy. Right. Of, side note: This is definitely a tangent, but I like the way her interactive handles Deirdre post Alibi and Ashes. Yeah. Like I think Alibi and Ashes, she's still pretty derived from the book Mm -hmm. series themselves but as they bring her back in deadly device and then midnight in salem they actually treat her pretty well and they kind of incorporate her her story in a way that's done a lot lot better than these books yeah so
0: way to go yes way to go her interactive for redeeming
1: um a bullied character (laughs) yeah (laughs) we get to see the softer side of deirdre and it's really nice not even softer mm-hmm. side, but just the more human side. And, like, she starts to cooperate yeah. a little bit, and they become almost friends. It's it's nice. It's a good story arc. hmm Okay.
0: So I made a comment that this Nancy is much more unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Nancy that in other series is, I, I feel like the marked difference, at least that showed up in this book for me in this series is that Nancy just has, seems to have a very limited grasp on reality. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in the ways that we've already talked about with, I can't believe normal people work. And um, with like her not considering like, Oh, a girl is missing. What are the actual ramifications of that? But just in the way That she's like, I'm just gonna run into this person's house while the cleaning people are in there, or I'm just gonna follow this guy through a construction site. Like she has nothing is holding this Nancy Drew back, and the (laughs) only thing that seems to propel her forward are her cracked out ideas (laughs) of like what she thinks is like she's she's literally just bitballing and just following every rabbit trail that she would like to because she can't. Yep. It's truly crazy. It's truly crazy. <laughs> um and while while it's kind of entertaining to think about, it's funny, it's not Nancy Drew. This is not a good characterization of Nancy Drew. No, it's she's not supposed to be like this. She's supposed to be level-headed. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to have a plan. She's supposed to make good decisions like she's supposed to be a good investigator and this is just not good investigating it's just not
1: well and then you add on top of that the trope of her not being good with remembering it to gas up her car right and oh my like gosh that. it's a i mean it is a common trope in these stories that nancy is making some progress on the mystery and then something happens to hold her back but that something happening is she needs right. a key that she doesn't have or she needs yeah. to go talk to this person to figure out this extra bit of the mystery or she's confronted by a bad guy exactly yeah and then she right. has to like go do something and then come back later to fix it yeah. not her her own negligence caused a two-hour delay in a time-sensitive investigation because she forgot to get gas. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's not the Nancy that we are used to. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I will also say that they
0: returned back to a strawberry blonde Nancy in it this did. series. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that on the mm-hmm. first or like the second page or something yeah. that they said her hair was strawberry blonde. And while I love a blonde Nancy, part of me wonders, are we leaning back to a dumb blonde
1: oh, I hope not. stereotype trope no, come on. for Nancy
0: or a ditzy kind of mean girl right. look? Because that's what it looks like. That's what it reads as.
1: Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, there's definitely a lot to, like, get from the hair color that they put in here. I know it's kind of trivial, but it's really not when you think about Yeah, no, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Okay, would you want to talk about,
0: like, the psychic stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I mean, it was just,
1: like, a little bit in the first couple chapters, but
0: Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I did, too. Also, because they didn't... Nancy didn't seem to, like... Trivialize her friend Lucia. Right. She didn't make a racist remark about her, right? And that she spoke in a heavily accented but flawless English. Mm. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but <good. laughs> but she doesn't trivialize her like beliefs or her like her own like you know psychic practices or something they do kind of she nancy does kind of play it off as being like it's just for fun it's just for fun it's not serious or something but she doesn't ever like say that like what she's doing isn't real or that she doesn't believe in it or something she just just says that it's for fun so interesting okay okay Interesting perspective for two thousand and four, which I feel like we were still kind of entrenched in the satanic panic of the nineties. Sure, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, like, very interesting that that's the perspective that we get here, right? But nice, refreshing a little bit.
1: Yeah. I wonder how they became friends. Like, what's the backstory there? You know,
0: I wonder if she probably solved a mystery for her or something.
1: Maybe. Well, maybe that was like book two because we've done one and three now maybe <laughs> we missed something in the lore that from one. from book two yeah. yeah but who knows yeah
0: possible <laughs> possible
1: oh yeah i will say that when nancy's like headed to the psychic shop she is like describing the area we've got the police station and then a little bit further down the street is the psychic shop and then next door is an antique shop Uh uh-huh alexi markovic's is that alexi markovic's
0: well okay well we are told in the first one that there are several antique stores in river heights oh remember because
1: what's his name goes to like three of them oh that's true yeah yeah well i'm gonna assume that it's Alexi. alexi markovic's shop well
0: i'm sure one of those three was
1: sure it has to be right i mean right one of them has to be Alexi's he owns an antique shop in River Heights so one of them makes sense
0: if Harold Safer owns the cheese shop of course Alexi Markvick owns one of
1: the antique stores and then it sounds like the cheese store is just like on that same road or in that same area if he just walked over so I think that this is a nice little downtown area it sounds like a good place to be yeah, for sure, for sure. Get some antiques, get your future read to you, get some cheese. <laughs> Sounds like a really fun downtown, not like, serious. And then, you know, there's plenty of time left over to make up a mystery. Just happen to see something weird, Nancy just, this whole story was just Nancy's fanfic about a, a scene that she <laughs> saw so on true. the street. <laughs> oh, so
0: funny. Uh, anyway, anyway. One quick other thing that I made a note about. George has an older brother named Sebastian <gasps> and a younger brother named Scott in this series.
1: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, I think Bess had a sister in the first book. They alluded mm. to like her babysitting. Yeah, so her I babysitting it was like a yeah. sibling or another cousin of theirs or something. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and I thought that was very interesting because, obviously, in the original series, I don't believe we get any mention of siblings for either of them. We get lots of cousins.
1: We know there's lots of cousins in that family. Yeah. Um, but no siblings. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Nancy also says that George's room is, like, a disaster. Like, it's filthy <laughs> and super disorganized. I thought that was funny. Funny. Funny characterization, yeah.
0: And and when, when Bess walks in, she goes, like, oh, you cleaned up or something. <laughs> good for you
1: (laughs) do you have any other notes just a tiny one Um, i don't know what's your copy but at the back of mine there's an advertisement for the haunted carousel and danger on deception island oh yes
0: yes i saw the her interactive ads um yeah that's what i got too and i thought i was like, wow. Wow, a time, a time when, to be a fan. like, what a golden age! Right, video games and books coming out at the same
1: time, and they worked together to advertise. Just amazing! Just amazing. Mm-hmm. And the Emma Roberts movie would have been like in development at this point, you know? Yeah, that they came that out in like two thousand seven, like, six, I think, six. Okay, or, yeah. It doesn't matter. Wow, but, like around what a this time for Nancy Drew. Yeah,
0: Jeez Louise, seriously! Oh, and to have been a part of
1: it. I know. You're blessed. You're <laughs> so blessed. Uh, to be in a time like that again. I know we have the show ongoing, but that's really our only, like, current Nancy Drew thing. And that's not my favorite anyway. So, yeah. It doesn't count. It's okay. <laughs> Only good media counts. <laughs> well, they are coming out with new um, diaries right now. So, I think they do an, yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. every year, every, I bet every those, six months or so. I bet those are actually pretty good. We might have to do those after the girl detective. We might have to do those. We'll see. yeah I have to do those because I bet those are good. Uh-huh. I've heard good things about them.
0: I got a box set of the first like five or mm-hmm. ten or something, and just from like i didn't I, I didn't read them, but I looked at the covers, read the backs. So just from doing that, they seem pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Those are
1: also in the first person perspective as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I think, so. I think yeah. so. yeah, hopefully it'll be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. perspective. That <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Alrighty. Wow. Flashlight score? Yes. No. No? Uh, you don't want to give it a flashlight <laughs> yes. <laughs> Skip it? <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to give it a two. I don't know. Yeah. It's just not...
0: Uh-huh. I give it a two as well. I think I... There just wasn't really anything I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't the worst thing I've ever read. It wasn't at the most boring book I've ever read. Right. I was at least curious as to the outcome. Um, I do like I do like stories that take place in River Heights cuz I love hearing about the residents of River Heights and the lore and all the information like Rackham Industries being the largest employer in River Heights. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that before. Right? So there are moments like that and um, we get to see some characters that we enjoyed, like Harold Safer. Chief mm-hmm. McGinnis is in it. Deirdre is in it. So mm-hmm. there's that. But as far as like plot, Nancy characterization, it was just ugh. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Bess has yeah. a shining moment, and then she's right. just along for the ride. The rest, I think, she's asleep for most of the rest of it. So <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Aww. so too. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Oh, wow. Well. Okay. No, hopefully, the next one will be a little bit better, if not uh-huh. a controversial pick. Our patrons uh-huh. um, pick the one I was hoping for this time. Thank yeah. you, patrons. Do you want to <laughs> tell everyone what our next one is going to be?
0: Yes. Next up, we are going to be covering another girl detective novel. Number 10. Uncivil Acts. Corey, <laughs> this book... <laughs> Is what Ghost of Thornton Hall is partially based off of. Right. And it also features a Civil War reenactment. Yeah. That's all I know about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I I read the back of it, and it, it says, like, people have started taking sides as though, like, North and South.
1: Yeah, um, I don't like
0: that. So yikes! That's um, concerning. Yikes in a big way. Okay. So I'm I'm definitely very interested. <laughs> uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited for y'all to come along for the ride of that.
1: It'll be um, a conversation. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> I guess we'll
0: see you then, regular Drews. Yeah. Join us next time. for listening to regular nancy drew email us at regular at gmail.com if you like this episode make sure to rate review and subscribe you can also follow us on instagram at regularnancydrew drew and twitter at regular
1: you can also support us on patreon patrons at the three dollar level vote on upcoming episode topics and get exclusive access to our scoop sesh series and all patrons
0: receive early access to each episode as well as weekly bonus content and to all you regular drews
1: out there